0: All right, well, we are in a third part of a little series that we've been uh, just focusing on these three verses that we find in 1 John 2, and so if you have a Bible, just open up there, 1 John 2, and uh, yeah, hopefully you've been enjoying this series. I have. I've been, I've been, uh, the Lord's been challenging at every turn, so it's just been so enjoyable. Um, But we're just going to get started, and uh, I'm just going to give a little recap, and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty. All right, but let's pray before we do. Father God, thank you, God, for your word. God, that's the anchor of our soul. It's the guide to our life. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit, Father, would illuminate and illustrate your word to us in a way that we can hear it. Father, there's uh, a reason why we're here this morning, is to hear from you. Father, we pray that you would just have your way with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 1 John 2, verse 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its lusts, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. We've been looking at these three verses. That first verse we broke down and we said, do not cherish or have affection or take pleasure in the evil world system that is in rebellion against God. This is a strong word from John. He's giving us a warning. Just before in the context, he's he's, uh, giving... Uh, encouragement to little children and men and young men. And in the context, he's giving them instructions as to beware of the idols. It's how he ends the whole book. But he's giving us a warning. Do not love the world. There's always been a choice between the world's lie and the, world's, and the word's truth. It's This life is a lifelong battle in between the desires of pleasure and the desires of God. If we love God, if we love what He loves and hate what He hates, God hates this evil world system. He hates its values. He stands in complete opposition to its lies. And the Scripture declares that you will live to please your true master, either Jesus Christ or the world. You cannot love God and at the same time be growing in your love for the world. One is growing the other is diminishing. I love this quote. We said in the first week, C.S. Lewis, is, he said this in The Weight of Glory. He says, do you think I'm trying to weave a spell? Perhaps I am, but remember your fairy tales. Spells are used for breaking enchantments as well as for inducing them. And you and I have need for the strongest spell that can be found to wake us from the evil enchantment of worldliness which has been laid upon us. That spell of worldliness is broken when we, like that prodigal son, come to our senses. God wants you walking in abundant life. But that spell of worldliness must be broken in order for you to live in that abundant life. And that spell is broken at the cross of Christ. Coming to our senses from the seductive lusts and cravings that this world offers. The Scriptures refer to the flesh as that urge within us that loves being our own God. We love being our own judge. We love being our own moral uh, moral lawmaker. And we make laws kind of on the fly, if you haven't noticed. Our mind justifies what the heart has chosen. It's amazing how much we can justify the pride in our own heart, the lust in our own heart, even if we feel like it's kind of a godly thing but it's usually us in the middle. It's us getting everything that we so desire. So we looked at the lust of the flesh. What's the lust of the flesh? It's the insatiable appetite to indulge in pleasures that inflame the flesh that take the place of God. These are the things when, when, the, when the heat gets on, when the storm hits, when pain hits, where does your heart turn? Does your heart just go to the throne room of God? Or does it usually hit a substitute? It hits a uh, papier-mâché caricature version, promising something. You get into it, and it doesn't. Lust of the eyes, it's the covetous, wandering eyes that continually want more, more money, more influence, more, more. It's seeing that maybe somebody else would, somebody else has an idolatrously wanting that it's the pride of life. It's the vain mind that thirst for men's approval, that thirst for their applause. So these lusts and this pride we saw does not come from God, but it comes from the world. They're irresistibly appealing to broken people. This evil world system is irresistibly appealing to broken people. Flesh in us cannot be changed, transformed, improved, reconciled to God. It must be put to death at the cross of Christ so we can live in Jesus' abundant life. Which brings us here to our last verse, 1 John 2, 17. And the world is passing away along with its lust, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. This evil world system and all its lust is passing away. That phrase, passing away, another word like mirage. This evil world system and its lusts are like a mirage. You think you see an oasis of comfort, of pleasure, of freedom, of life. And our soul feels like it's so real. If I could just get that, my heart, my life will be content closer you get the more real the more you realize that mirage is just sand in your fingers promising a dressed up life and a dressed up lie possession of the whole world and all that it contains will never make a person truly content and happy and that's what's so deceptive every generation every iteration of the world system that gets kind of thrust before our eyes It'll never make us content or happy when it promises that very thing. Its pleasures are false and deceptive. Its riches and overabundance have no power to satisfy the heart. So we long, so long as we don't have them. The glitter, the sparkle, the more they're more desirable. But when we do have them, when you do possess them, you realize, man, my big hope that I thought that that was going to give me is fleeting. You know, uh, uh, there's a, a Jeff Goldblum, you know, the, the actor Jeff Goldblum, he has a show out and, and he kind of highlights uh, different, I don't know, different things. Like one show was ice cream and so it kind of like history of the ice cream and how ice cream a lot of times activates certain childhood memories and it was an interesting show. Well, one of the shows, Sneakers. And Sneakers, he kind of gives a history of sneakers and how, how the shoe market just took off and... And how some of these shoes are worth thousands of dollars and the shoe expo and anyway. So he was talking about how um, thrill, excitement, anticipation, that thrill in a person's heart is the very highest, the very highest, that excitement, that thrill of whatever you're getting. But for him, it was the shoes. That thrill is right before you open that box right before once you open that box it's downhill run from there right? You get that shoe, you get that thing that you're always hoping and then you kind of like you show it around you do kind of you know you're bragging tour. you know gotta gotta let your friends all know. sometimes those shoes might be worn sometimes those be just kind of thrown up in a display case but maybe they're they're shoes that you wear them and you wear them around And a couple weeks later. Some Joe down the street's got the new additions of something else. And then you're like, dang, dang. Start looking for another shoe. Round and around, and those are just shoes. You've got a whole system coming at you to make you want to get something new. You need this. You need that. God is saying that is a system. That is a mirage. You go down that road and you're going to come up empty. You come down my road, I'm going to give you exactly what I've promised. The message is for the church as well. We've reduced the Christian life to little more than a spiritual crutch to help us through the minefields of the upwardly mobile life. God is there to help us to get our promotions, to supply our comfortable life, and to fulfill the dreams that we've had for our lives. But yet somehow... God has become a co conspirator in our agendas rather than us being a servant in His. And uh, I don't know if I can explain this very well, but as I was uh, writing this, it was as if I got a, a snapshot picture of like the thrill the enemy gets when people realize the mirage is fake. The thing that they sold their soul to, when they actually get to the very end, that cul-de-sac mirage, and they realize, oh my God, I've sold my soul for mirage. That enemy loves that. That's the face he lies and deceives and loves, is how much he can deceive us in thinking that the world is going to give you what your brokenness is needing. Don't live another day giving your allegiance to a mirage. Not only are the lusts and the cravings of the world passing away, but so are you. But here in this sentence, the world is passing away along with its lusts, but, but, here John changes direction, but, whoever does not bow to the world but does the will of God, will experience God's eternal abundant infinite life. Some reads John's warning of this whole kind of do not love the world and love the father. Some people have kind of taken this as to like well we need to completely remove ourselves from the world. The world and its evil system, yes it's dark, yes it's evil, so the solution is removal. And we have through certain throughout throughout history have certain movements that have kind of moved on out on out from the world system and kind of cloistered. The Amish is a, you know, perfect modern day example. But here's what Jesus prays before he gets betrayed. John 17 verse 14, he says, "I have given them your word." He's praying to the Father. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to the world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Not love. Living- world is is not about removing it's about being the rescue ship in the middle of a flood water of darkness you just don't need that flood water in your boat do it does the will of god and anyone who does the will of god that's a present tense does it indicates those individuals that whose habits life pursuit is the will of god they're those that, while they're not perfect practitioners, they mess up from time to time in knowing God's word and executing God's word and following God's way. But the general direction of their life is towards the kingdom of God, is heavenward, It's aligned towards God. It's not going with the flow, but delineating ourselves as the people of God who demonstrate and live out God's will and way before the eyes of this fallen evil world. One's obedience to the will of God does not earn them eternal life, but it does serve to prove that one has been born again and that he or she does possess a supernatural desire and power to habitually pursue the things of God over the things of Jesus said this in Matthew 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father. And this is where kind of the rubber meets the road. This is where kind of our religious games kind of get exposed. It's he who does the will of the Father. He who obeys God and does it. It's engaging the world. It's being salt and light. It's being his called out ones, set apart to rule. That's what Ecclesia means. It's not just set apart ones. It's set apart ones to rule. And it rules in God's way, not in a domination way. That means your edge is sharp and your heart is connected to the living God on a daily basis. That means... You love people more than the priorities the world demands of your life. That means having character and integrity even when no one's working, looking because you know someone is always looking. It means forgiving others even when they haven't forgiven you because it holds you in bondage, not them. That means caring about others to the point of helping them to find a connection with their Heavenly Father. It means hearing from God and obeying his word. I never knew, I never saw that growing up in church. <laughs> it was always just, you know, I grew up, my tradition, my tradition, I won't even say the tradition, but the nickname was the frozen chosen. Okay, so we were the, it was just like, you know, you come in, you do your duty, you kind of go back, you kind of have a little bit better of a skip in your step, a little... A little more wink, you know, a little sparkle in the eye. But other than that, it was like, how are these people different than the world? And this is where I think we need to kind of really start asking. This is totally unscripted. This is where I think we need to kind of really start asking ourselves. In this generation, what does, God is moving his church. He's trying to get us out of the rut that we may have been in, actually have been in, for many decades in this nation, and maybe probably globally, but here in this nation. That's what our jurisdiction here. So, But God is trying to get our attention, and he's trying to get us back to the actual way that he trained his disciples, that it isn't about the crowd, it's about the quality of the disciples that you're around. And you and I can't live at this level if you and I aren't around other warriors, Amen? With kind of an intensity about them. If I'm around, you know, it's like that famous line show me your five friends and I'll show you, I'll guess who you are. So, who are your five? Who are your two? Who are, your, who are the ones that are calling you up to another level? Because the disciples had Jesus, those disciples started making other disciples. And it was those disciples that were making other disciples that were calling them up to live at the standard God made them to live. And I don't know about you, but I would be riding the pine on the, with the kingdom of God if it wasn't for other people rallying around me. We've got to understand that, that that's part of God's answer in our life. There are things that you need that God has hidden in the lives of people He places in your life. And it's your job to unearth them. Conversely, there are things, life experiences, convictions, perspectives, love, loyalty that you have that they need, and it's your job to give it. So don't hide that under a bushel. Amen? Choose life. While you may be born again, you've got to choose life, God's will, God's way, obeying His Word and His Holy Spirit every day, not taking anything for granted. Psalm 23 said this, You prepare a table before me, not in a sweet mountaintop cabin, which is where I'd like to be. No, He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil. Our cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He sets a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Why? So that his image bearers can take dominion back from the enemy and fulfill his mission by making disciples of nations. It's living boldly and confidently as God's image bearing ambassadors representing a whole different kingdom. We get our life from that different kingdom. We get our vision for our world from that kingdom. We get a vision for our own life from that kingdom. We get how we view other people from that kingdom. Jesus said, You are the light of the world. The city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Let your light shine before others, so what? They may see your good works. Not that you have the right worldview and concepts, even though that's a great start. It's the overflow of that into the real world. Through our love, through our hospitality, through our fighting for others to see the freedom that God made for them, for them to walk in that as well. Heard a comment this week, man, it's so dark out there. Yes, but where's your perspective? God's raising up a whole new army of kingdom image bearers that are going to carry his authority greater than previous generations. So, there's this story when rescuers were finally able to pull a little, uh, not a little, a middle, sorry. Let me start over. When rescuers were finally able to pull a middle-aged man from the wreckage of a horrible car accident, he was taken to a nearby hospital, but soon became apparent that he wouldn't make it. As the chaplain comforted him, the man who was a Christian exclaimed, as I look squarely at eternity, I realize now how how much time I wasted on things that don't matter. So don't waste your life on the mirage that this world is giving. Come to the cross of Jesus where true life may be found so that you can walk out in your design who He made you to be and so that the people around us, the people around you and me, can see who God made us to be and that love on display, that forgiveness in action so that they can give glory to our Father who's in heaven. So some of us, you know, here, you know, we we come and, and we don't want to love the world, but we also kind of don't really know who we are in this kingdom. And we're really passionate about you coming around and you getting to know who you are in the kingdom of God so you can confidently be who God made you to be. And part of that is we love praying for you. And so we have a little prayer team, and we love to, after we pray here, if you need some prayer for like, man, I God, I, I I need to know who I am or God, what's my design? or uh, our, our prayer team would love to pray for you and love to kind of give you a, a word from the Lord to kind of set you on your way. So um, as I pray, just... Um, yeah. Just wanted to offer that just so we can kind of be spun up for that. But let's pray. Lord Jesus... We thank you for your word that comes from John to not love the world, that the love of the world does not come from you, but comes from the enemy. But Father, I pray that Lord, for us here today, God, we would put a stake in the ground to say, God, we are no longer going to be lovers of pleasure, lovers of the world, but God, we're going to be lovers of you. And Father, this world and its lusts, God is passing away. God, we realize it's a mirage, and we realize the game being played before us. And Father, magicians have power because they deceive people. Don't know how the trick is done. And Father, I I feel like over these last three weeks, God, you've been revealing how the trick is done on humanity to us, to deceive us, to. Make us blind to who we are. To forget who we have been made to be. So, Father, I pray that, Lord, we would not be suckers to that game any longer. And, God, that we would be lovers of you. God, that we would be ambassadors of your new kingdom. But, God, we pray that, Lord, we know that we need community. We need people around us reminding us who we are. So, Father, I thank you for the men and women that you've put in our lives. Lord, I pray that, Lord, if there's... If we need shoring up with our team, Lord, with our other warriors that are around us, God, I pray that you would help us take that seriously and not just kind of go another week just doing the same old thing. But Father, I pray that you would help direct us and give us that intensity to, to, to call that out, to, to bring those friends into our life. Father, thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit that guides us and leads us every day against the spirit of the world. Father, I pray that we would be anchored and rooted in You more than we ever have before in our entire life. Father, because, Lord, what's coming at us, Father, is greater than maybe what we've experienced. And so, Lord, I pray just for a sobriety in our heart, God, a love in our heart to keep our edge sharp and our love for You intense and our love for people intense. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, We'd love to pray for you, but other than that, next week we're going to dive into the Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman He's called you to be now and to see His kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online citylifekc.org and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.